All right, we're live with the Catalyst Sport Podcast. Uh, this is episode, what, 10, 11 at this point. Um, and I'm Jason Kapnick here with Joe Boffy, and today we're talking about bodyweight exercises. How's it going, Joe? Good, good. I'm happy to be socializing virtually here. Yeah, yeah, I think it's... Um, strange times for sure uh in some ways it's good to be socializing in some ways um definitely getting tired of zoom a little bit but um i think it's friday it's sometime between thursday and sunday and um it's, you know, it's a nice day actually. it's 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 yeah it's a little chilly but the sun's out which is nice um and yes, yeah, so we're talking about our, you know, our favorite bodyweight exercises and, um, you know, Joe, I think you're really more of a, a bodyweight guy. I know you've done a lot of, um, you know, calisthenics and bodyweight over the years. And, um, you know, I think all people should be doing some bodyweight training, um, you know, whether you're a power lifter, whether you're just, you know, for general fitness, uh, you know, certainly if you're involved in athletic pursuits. So um, why, don't you, why don't you kick us off though, Joe, on uh, one of your favorite bodyweight exercises? All right, this one's kind of a, a newfound love. Um, it's the dive bomber or Hindu push-up or whatever offensive term you want <laughs> yeah. to call the exercise. Um, we, we, we had a, a real conversation before we hit record of, of whether Hindu push-up is uh, appropriate to say. So uh, if, if you're offended, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you didn't name it. It's, right. yeah. is, is dive bomber offensive to you know people who are involved in Pearl Harbor, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't we can't avoid everybody yeah i mean if you go through true, true yoga terms i guess people do call it chaturanga um it's a very similar movement at least uh, when i was doing it in the living room yesterday alex walked in and i was like why are you doing so many chaturangas and how do you get so close to the ground so, um so why don't you describe um describe what that dive bomber push-up is just in case cool. anyone's unfamiliar with it so the way i like to do it um as I have my hands about shoulder width apart, I'll have my knees bent and my feet hip width apart. Uh, so that it could be touching, but I like a better hip width apart. Um, I stick my butt up in the air. I try to get my shoulder blades kind of retracted almost in like a modified down dog position. And then I dive bomb my head towards the floor and I want to hit a nice scooping arch and kind of be in that like cobra pose where my hips are close to the floor and my chest is nice enough. The whole time I'm trying to really engage and feel the, the muscles around my shoulder blades as I'm doing this. So I'm like pulling myself through my arms so I can really get my back engaged because back is one of the hardest things to get in bodyweight exercising unless you have a pull-up bar, which is one of our, our next exercises. Um, but uh, I really like to get that nice extension. It opens up the chest uh, as like a male who, you know, has been kind of protracted and chest dominant throughout my life. Um, and in my sport of like kickboxing and jujitsu and stuff, I really feel that that diving and arching through opens me up really well. And I can feel all the muscles around my shoulder blades working and um really like the way it feels nice do you do um do you do any progressions off it you ever do like a one-legged dive bomber um or like i mean i guess in theory one arm's possible but that'd be pretty impressive know. yeah i personally don't um i just kind of like it how it is uh, like this is kind of one of those ones there's like some myth of like 
doing 50 of these before and after training is like more effective than push-ups. There's some like wrestler story in there. Somewhere. <laughs> um, I don't really know it. I just, uh, it's either Gable or it's like a, like a old school kind of Persian myth, but I'm not sure which one it is. Okay. Um, <laughs> Great. <laughs> so there is a story. We don't know it, but. <laughs> there is one there. We couldn't find it. They're great exercise. I feel like a lot of people got exposed to those, um, you know, like in team sports and in martial arts, it's like something you do in the warm up. but, um, you know, like I know you're devoting time in your training to it right now and I'm probably taking a, a, a deeper dive, no pun intended on it. Um, so, um, I, I think that was really interesting commentary about the shoulder blaze and, and opening up the chest on that. So, um, don't sleep on the, on the Hindu push-up or dive bomber push-up, uh, whichever, whichever. And if you do it in your jujitsu warm-up, please actually do it because the shit I see that goes on in the beginning of class, they're like little weird, like spasms in the push-up position. And like, they really help your shoulder health too, by getting that full range of motion. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you're going, you're going through a really interesting range of, you know, not just shoulder motion, but also like shoulder blade motion too, um, as you mentioned. All right. Next one here. I'll take the next one. Uh, Pull-ups. Um, I, I think pull-ups to me are like the king of the body weight exercises, um, you know, at least in, in my training and, and what I've done. Um, you know, Joe and I were saying before we got on the, on the um, podcast here, I was really bad at pull-ups for a really long time. Um, you know, I was, I remember being bad at them in elementary school for like presidential fitness challenge. Um, you know, I started working out in probably like 2001. I was about 15 years old. Um, you know, I had 10 years of training under my belt, you know, by the time I was like 24, 25, I was probably still stuck at, you know, maybe like eight, nine, 10 pull-ups. Um, and, you know, fast forward, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll brag on some of my best pull-up accomplishments. Um, you know, people seen on YouTube or seen Beast Tamer, I've done a pull-up with a, with a 106 pound uh, kettlebell. I've, I've actually done doubles um, at that weight. I've done with a 10 kilo, I've done 16 pull-ups. So I, I went from being really bad at them to, to pretty good at them. And um, so the obvious question is like, what, what changed? How did I go from being bad at pull-ups for like a decade um, to within a couple years, um, you know, being really good at them. And I kind of, I was thinking about it last night and I'll identify kind of two things um, that really changed it for me. The first one was shoulder stability and overhead position um, throughout like the early parts of my training career. Um, I don't think I had the appropriate um, workload in overhead positions. Like I didn't do a whole lot of Olympic lifting um, and I didn't get into kettlebells. Um, you know, in, in that time. So really most of my overhead stuff was like dumbbell shoulder press. Um, I would do some like some um, barbell overhead press, but probably wasn't having a great overhead lockout position there. Um, so once I got a much better overhead position um, on pressing movements, on mobility, on shoulder stability, that made a huge difference on my pull-ups. And then the second big breakthrough is core stability. Uh, you know, when I got into the hard style RKC methodology, uh, you know, certainly when we met Dr. Dooley and started working with her and just, you know, really keeping that, that cylinder intact, um, that's going to generate so much power on your pull-up. Um, you will only be able to get so far on your pull-ups, I believe, you know, by arching your back and kind of just hanging on your spine, you know, ribs out, um, 
you know, loss of neutral spine pull up, you're only going to be able to get so far on that. Would you learn how to use your core effectively and really generate power from your center? That's when you're going to get good at pull ups. Um, your lats have nothing to like pull on if you're just like a wet noodle. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a tension thing, it's a core thing. Um, and obviously those go together, right? If you don't have a good overhead position, you know, if you can't get your arms overhead without hyperextending your lower back, you're, you're already behind the eight ball. So, um, you know, pull-ups, you know, I know Joe's a, you know, also a really strong pull-up guy. Um, I may have said Joe do, you know, 20 something body weight pull-ups, um, like it's nothing. 26 With, was my record. Yeah. Um, I wasn't as strong as you as like a full single pull, but like I was pretty good at like, repping them out and just going that way i think i mean you probably helped me a lot like i remember when we first met like i was probably still in that phase where i was stuck on kind of like 10-ish 10 to 12 pull-ups and like you know without good core and um you know got to new york sports clubs and and, and met you and you were already like you were probably doing that you know 20 25 pull-ups um and i think um I remember your pull-ups always look good. So I never saw bad pull-ups from you, but, but you've seen bad pull-ups from me. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, we've said it before to many clients, it's like you need to do a lot of pull-ups to be good at pull-ups and you need to do them often. Um, yeah. It's like, they're one of those exercises that just responds to like, you got to do them and you got to do them all the time. You lose them fast, but you can get them back fast, but you have to do them all the time. Yeah. That was actually, that was the other thing I was, I was thinking about last night when I was thinking about pull-ups is like, um, maybe it's like could add it as number three is when I got a pull-up bar in my house is when I got good at pull-ups um, in my apartment. Um, I, I think people have heard me say this before. The key to getting good at pull-ups is frequent sub maximal output. Um, so just doing them, you know, four or five, six days a week. Um, but never like going to the red line, never like going to failure of just, you just do them, you just do them all the time. Um, every time you walk by your pull-up bar, you do a couple that that's the way to really get good at pull-ups. Um, the frequency method, greasing the groove, whatever we call it. Uh, what's next, Joe? Um, well, let's go lower body. We've done a couple upper body. Yeah. Um, so some form of obviously like a body weight squat, there's, it's like, it's great. Do it for sure. But the way to increase your, your efficacy is to like reduce the amount of legs you're using in your squat. So you could do like a pistol squat, but that's very um, mobility dependent. So if you do some form of like Cossack squat or um, which is where you're, legs are spread really wide and you're squatting down to one side and you let your other leg kind of rotate up to the ceiling. Well, now we've offended um, the Cossacks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so we'll call it, you could do a no, lateral lunge, which is the same thing without rotating the, the foot up to the ceiling. It's almost the same. Thing. <laughs> um, just biasing your squat to the one side, uh, you know, makes it that much harder. You're, you're kind of, you're not doubling the load on that one leg because your other leg's still kind of on the ground. But uh, just by shifting into that hip, you get some of that shifting. You can get some adductor work by really, you know, refocusing on the knee, tracking over the foot. Um, and, yeah, it's super easy. You could do it anyway. So you don't um, – not limited by space, I guess. Yeah, I think that's one thing that's probably, like, kind of one of the – 
criticisms of body weight um, training is it's hard to get your legs, but um, if you're smart about it, there's, there's plenty of ways to do it. And, um, you know, I think Cossack squats and lateral lunges and, you know, getting into that, that quote frontal plane um, is, is great. You know, it, it definitely improves hip stability and you can, you can get your legs pretty strong that way. And, um, you know, the pistol squat, like you said, is, is a tough one, but um you know, requires a lot of mobility, a lot of strength, but uh, it's a good thing to be able to do a pistol squat too. I think so. It's a good measure of athleticism in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, you could, I mean, we're not doing like a progression regression talk, but you could easily do your pistol squats to a chair. Everybody's got a chair. Everybody's got right. a couch. Like just use one leg and sit down gently and stand back up. Yeah. We could probably do a whole podcast on pistol squats and how to get them. Um, oh and, yeah. I love that. You know, if um, if you're listening and you want us to do that, just let us know. Maybe we will. Um, next one, um, I'll say planks. Um, so, you know, Joe and I were talking about this before we got on the call and Joe, um, you know, he kind of challenged me. He's like, do you do planks? And I'm like, you know, cause it seems like it's an exercise that's, that's too easy. And um, the answer is I do a lot of planks. Actually. I do a lot of weighted planks. Um, I'll put a even plank, bro. I do even plank, bro. Um, plank, bro. You know, every uh, every week for sure. Um, I do a lot of weighted planks. I love to put a, a plate on my back and hips. Um, it can be a little bit awkward, especially if you're training by yourself. If you got a training partner, um, to have someone put a um, a weight plate on your lower back Are and you hips. Really doing a body weight exercise if you're using a weight. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> interesting. Okay, so, so what other way are you going to do your plank with just your body? Yeah, yeah. So the <laughs> one that I've been doing a lot recently is um, single arm planks. Um, so I'm going doing it from the elbow, so it's a little bit more core and shoulder focused. Um, and yeah, from the elbow, just like a regular plank, pick one one arm up, and um, you got your your single arm plank. Um, if you want to make it harder, you do single arm, single leg plank. Uh, I think they're, they're great for shoulder stability. They're great for, you know, again, shoulder blade positioning, shoulder blade um, stability. Um, you get a lot of core in it. You have some rotational force because you're, you know, um, you've only got one arm supporting you. And uh, if you never tried one arm planks, definitely give it a try. Um, do you ever do the, do you like pick a point and try to touch the point on like the wall or something so you can really get the shoulder blade engaged like over the head? Oh, with the opposite arm that's supporting? Uh, no, the one that's in the air. So you kind of touch a point further away from you. So like one arm I've got on the ground and then the other one I touch something with? Yeah, yeah exactly. I haven't. I, maybe I will today. Um, you could pick something that's a little higher than your head to really get your shoulder blade engaged. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things we, we've said a lot at Catalyst is, um, and, you know, Dr. Dooley, I'm sure said too, is like, if you like dissect a cadaver, you can't tell where the serratus muscle, which is involved in protracting the shoulder, you can't tell where that ends and where the obliques begin of the abdominals. So anytime we're in that prone position where we're face down and we can protract the shoulders all the way forward. And I, actually we do have video here, you know, get the shoulder blade flat against the back of the rib cage. Um, He's pushing forward with his palm really far in front of him. Right. For those that are not on iTunes, <laughs> well, come, come find us on YouTube. Um, but, um, but yeah, that, that's going to, you know, just tie together your core to the rest of your body because your core you know, why is the core so important? Well, the core allows us to transfer power from lower body to upper body and vice versa. 
And um, when we can tie that core in to, um, to the rest of the body, we just make it that much more effective. Cool. Let's, do, uh, let's do one more here um, before we run out of time on this podcast. So let's do a single leg deadlift. Okay. Uh, I like single leg deadlift without a weight or with a weight, but I mean, we're doing body weight. So we're going to say without a weight. Um, you can, it's good for just balance, stability through your hip. Your foot works like crazy. You're working like a hinge pattern. Um, so you get the shifting in your hip and you can really power out of it. Um, we know there's many variations when we do like a runner's pose variation in our, uh, our training with our members where the back leg fires up nice and strong and you kind of throw your knee towards the air. When you come out of your single leg deadlift, you could do that with a little jump. You could do it without the jump. Um, I think that you kind of turned me on to this one. Um, did you call it like an airplane or something at the end? Yeah. You do your single leg deadlift. And you know, when you're doing a single leg deadlift, you generally want your pelvis parallel to the floor. You're, your ASIS pointing at the ground in like a very neutral position. But when you get to that deep hinge, you could then work opening that hip up and it's kind of like a airplane banking a turn and then bring the hip back down. Um, and that way you add a little bit of dynamic kind of movement into that hinge. Um, and you had some reasons other that you like to do that too. Yeah, I, I think it's good for um, hip stability. Um... I think actually Dr. Jake turned me on to this. I think when I was having a um, uh, some kind of hip or back or who knows what what it was that Dr. Jake was helping me with. Um, the um, yeah, I think they're great. Um, you know, if you want to really make it like an airplane, you can put your arms out at your sides and make airplane noises while you I do it. I was gonna say you have to make noises <laughs> if you can do it though. <laughs> but uh, they're they're hard, um, and I think the challenge for a lot of people on the on the airplane is going to be to keep um keep from just going into a straight leg position not that that's wrong but i think it's just less authentic to gait and you're you're you know kind of giving up some hamstring there but um you know in the single leg deadlift the the planted knee should be soft let's say you know it should be bent a little bit and um and yeah th that's going to be the challenge for a lot of people on single leg deadlifts is that they don't turn it into a, a straight leg single leg deadlift which is I don't think it's wrong. I think it's just different. And I think you are giving up a little bit of effect there because it's, like I said, it's less authentic to gait. Yeah, we're trying to work like that hip hinge and that, you know, eccentric load on the glute and all that kind of stuff while we're doing it, um, which is why we don't want to do it the straight leg for us, like the way we use it. Right. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, as it translates into like bilateral patterns and just athleticism, um, you know, anyone who's taken the RKC with me knows that one of my pet peeves is a straight leg hinge, um, where you're not getting the full power of your lower body into it, where you're only using posterior chain. Um, you know, we do want to have some knee bend in a hinge. Um, you know, the knees don't travel forward, but they do bend. And that allows us to maximally displace the hips um, it, it horizontally and, and generate the most power. Um, uh, you know, in our, in our hinge. So watch out for that one as you're doing single leg deadlifts. Cool. Cool. That's a pretty rounded, rounded list. I think. Yeah. what did we do? We did one, two, three, four. We did five there. Perfect. Six. Um, whatever we did, they were great exercises. And, um, those are some of our favorite body weight exercises. This was kind of like a 
sort of a sequel to our favorite kettlebell workouts. Um, but uh, as far as closing thoughts go, thank you for listening. Um, what else we got? You know, uh, we're always available by email. Shoot us emails. Um, let us know what you want us to talk about on these podcasts. Let us know if you have questions. And um, we'll see you next time.